Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're doing well. We are here with another episode. And today's guest, we have Frank Kaysen, uh, who is, I guess, formally, you're the director, huh? Are you the managing partner or managing president, director? Just, just president. Just yeah, president. Plain old president. He's downplaying Nothing it. Uh, the Kaysen Development Group, who, if you haven't noticed, is... Um, pretty much developing all four corners of our community, which is exciting. Love to see the Kaysen family who's been here for a long time. So I know you didn't start off with the Kaysen Development Group, so maybe you can just, I know you're from Columbia. You lived your whole life here. Your dad created a business here uh, called the Kaysen Group. And and mm-hmm. just maybe give us a little background before we roll into how the Kaysen Group came up. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I am from here and I did go to, uh, university of South Carolina as well. And I did make the conscious decision to stay here. Um, and while I was in college, made the decision to be in, uh, that I really want to be in commercial real estate and had an opportunity to work, uh, for Colliers, which is at the time was Colliers Keenan. Um, so I came straight out of college, I actually worked for them in college, came straight out of college uh, to work with them. And I worked for them for eight years, a little over eight years. Great experience, awesome company, bunch of great people over there. Still got a bunch of friends over there um, and have a a ton of respect for uh, the people over there, the leadership over there. Um, And then I I switched over to, uh, from brokerage to the development side um, 10 years ago and worked with another local company here, uh, Cypress Real estate partners. Uh, Mark I've never James, heard Tom of these Bowen. companies. Yeah, before, huh? <laughs> you know any of those guys? <laughs> um, and had a, about a three-year uh, run with them, and um, same same thing. Learned a ton from uh, both of those guys, and uh, still have a good relationship and good friendship. Love what they're doing uh, around the state, also. But um, so seven and a half years ago now, uh, just under eight years ago, started Casing Development Group. Um, and really had two focus points that uh, when we started that we have maintained uh, over the last almost eight years, and that is um, a focus on local development and then national retail development. So outside of Columbia, we really do uh, primarily national retail development, uh, build the suits. So national retailers like Starbucks, uh, Bojangles now, uh, uh, Taco Bell, people like that. Um, and then inside of Columbia, we really had a focus on long-term assets, long-term real estate uh, developments. So everything that we do in Columbia uh, is with no intent to sell. So um, we want to hold for the long-term. We want to invest in Columbia. We want to see Columbia grow. Honestly, um, a lot of the desire to build uh, our own company here was it came out of a realization that no one was really focusing on Columbia. There, we don't have a lot of real estate developers in Columbia, actually, as compared to other cities, but the ones that were here, they just weren't spending uh, much time or investment uh, here. Uh, there are a lot of reasons for that, and it's not because they thought they could make too much money in Columbia. Um, so the, there were reasons why they would not uh, spend their money and their investment here, but um, we felt like if nobody was going to do it, if nobody ever did it, that Columbia would never grow because the city needs investments. So. Started doing that about eight years ago. Uh, first project that we did was called the Warmouth, uh, small restaurant, not far from where we're sitting right now in the Cottontown area. At the time, we saw that as an opportunity not just to build a restaurant, um, but to make a small or a big impact in a small area. Um, there were a lot of vacant buildings right around where the Warmouth is. 
Uh, so fast forward to now, we've done nine buildings in that little stretch. Warmouth, Enda Coffee, um, our offices are there now. We've got a, there's a pizza place there, Old Focolari. There's a, a CrossFit gym, um, Oma Warehouse, where I think you've, you've been recently um, in the most recent um, tenant out there, businesses, a gardener's outpost. Uh, so a lot of small businesses, which we love working with. We love helping them get off the ground. Um, so that's then, uh, that really is then expanded uh, to outside of Cottontown, of course, and around Columbia, as you said, all four corners of Columbia, uh, which was always our intent. Um, and um, so now we've got projects, our larger projects are in uh, Forest Acres, uh, Rosewood, um, Main Street, not far from where we are here. Um, we've even got a light industrial park out uh, off Shop Road. So um, we're excited about Columbia, and uh, I think there's a lot to do here. So, Frank, you, you talked about multiple projects, and yep. you kind of – Warmouth was your, your first, all right, I'm going out on my own. Yeah. I, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to go after the site, which I think was smart. Uh, North Main, I've been bully on North Main for probably 12 years. I think it's the new frontier. Um, I think, you know, the growth is going to happen there. I do think if we can lift the overlays and get the neighborhood to realize the new zoning and everything we've done is really going to make a, a big difference, we can really mm -hmm. grow that corridor. That could be our Howell Mill Road or our mm -hmm. Crog Market in Atlanta. Could be, to be honest, it could be our South Boulevard in, in Charlotte. Mm -hmm playing the right cards, demographics, where it is mixing, you know, a lot of both residential and mixed-use commercial yeah. and office. I mean, I don't know any other, a lot of places in America where you could go invest, live, have a business, walk out on the street and point out the state house. Right. It's just yeah. not a place in exactly. a lot of America that you could do it, and it's still affordable. That's a great point. It's, it's exactly, from the Warmouth, it is exactly one mile to the state house and you can see the dome i mean i, I just crazy. i don't know another capital city that you'd have that opportunity yeah. in. and so i do think it's a future you know frontier for us but also uh, it's interesting because all your developments are uniquely different and um i want to talk really about the ones in columbia uh which i think are Absolutely. The ones that you need, you know, a build to suit for a national chain is is their plans. Hey, this is this is a turn and burn. I get yeah. it. Not as exciting. But, no, yeah. but when you look at like Rosewood taking the old church, creating not only housing but creating opportunity to have some retail in other space in there, I just think it's unbelievable. And a lot of people mm -hmm. didn't get that at first. <laughs> No, that's very true. Yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of pushback on that um, at first. The fear of the unknown um, is is very real, and the fear of the unknown in Colombia is um, probably more pronounced than than any area that we've worked. Um, it's just we literally have had someone. It's been a couple of years now where we were proposing a development. This is our development in Forest Acres that where we tore down probably one of the worst properties in all of Forest Acres. Um, and someone literally said to us, I guess I'd rather have the devil I know than the devil I don't. And that's unfortunately been a mentality in Columbia a lot. But so to your But point, I think point, some yeah. of that, Frank, stems yeah. from, I've discovered, I think there's a very small group of people who 
find their way into everything that they oppose. And it's just the same 50 people. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then the second part to that is, is that I've discovered that we have a lot of people who don't get out of their comfort zone. They don't travel. They don't see what we could have and how it could really improve the quality of life, enhance their property, make it worth more, create more convenience in their life and other things. So I think it's kind of interesting because um, you hear some of the same stories from different folks. But uh, I totally agree. And it's funny you mentioned that. We, uh, we travel a good bit, even though this is where we've lived uh, all, of, all of my life. We travel a lot, and what I see is that there are opportunities for us, and we get to leverage what everyone else is doing because everyone else does it before us, and that's a great, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a huge thing, uh, advantage that we have because we get to watch what happens elsewhere and take something that happens in California or New York five to ten years before it makes it here, and we get to do it, and it's and it's still radical to most people in Columbia because we don't get out a lot, but to use Rosewood as an example, I'm glad you brought up um, that you see what probably most people didn't, and that is what we could have done there. And we actually had, we actually did have an engineer draw it at one point just to show a small amount of people, but what could have happened. We could have torn everything down there and built three freestanding retail, national retail buildings. Um, and actually, we wouldn't, we didn't need any rezoning. We didn't need any public hearings. Uh, no discussions from any neighborhoods, et cetera. We could have done a Dollar General, an AutoZone, and a Taco Bell. And we could have made a, a good bit of money to doing that too, right? Could have been very profitable. We did not want to do that. And we made every effort to, not to. And we had, I mean, people on our team, people on our team, including our you know design team, were uh, pushing and saying, you know, do we really need to squeeze this? you know, this much on there. Do we want to do mixed use? Do we want to do a two-story retail building with, you know, uh, apartments over a Starbucks? Honestly, it would have been a whole lot easier on the parcel where we have 9,000 square feet of retail for us to just have done a freestanding Starbucks. It would have been ton, a, a ton easier for us, but we felt like we needed to add something more to that site, to the area, to the Rosewood community, to the Shandon community, and the city of Columbia and just to start showing people that density is actually a good thing, and density actually um, yields better results. Um, and I think I think some of that also leads to and you you're talking about people, the small group of people that do get pretty upset. I think there is another group probably that gets upset in large part because they haven't seen, it hasn't been done well here. And I'm not saying we're the only ones doing it well, and I'm not saying we don't get it wrong sometimes. We certainly make have made a bunch of mistakes. We're trying to learn from everyone and grow, but. We want to do it right to show people that if it's done right, it actually can be a really good thing. Density can be a really good thing. Well, I think it's important for the growth of the future of the city. I mean, we've capped stuff for so long, and we missed an opportunity to get vertical growth. You talk to police, fire, whoever, they'll tell you, I'd much rather have 20 stories than 20 blocks. And we've, and we've already got the infrastructure, so we're not having to invest in the infrastructure. And, yeah, there are probably some projects that I say that, you know, maybe in the past haven't been the best um, examples, but there have also been ones that that folks have fought so hard and and made changes that ended up, if they had left the project alone, it would be a much better totally. re representation today. 
you know, but I think looking at, you know, with, with the changes that we're trying to, to well, we're going to announce next week, several changes, everything from sewer expansion fees to, you know, rebates on grease traps to, uh, you know, taking out uh, the overlays, which, you know, we've got, we spent all this money, time and effort to, to build a new comprehensive zoning ordinances that are more reflective of today's time. Much better. We need to allow that process to work and stuff and take the overlays off. The overlays have hindered growth, in my opinion. I mean, I look at five points, which I have a real passion for, and five points, you know, in the last 10 years, we got a Waffle House, a Chick-fil-A that went into where uh, Hardee's, Hardee's was, mm -hmm. and we got a bank that took a hardware store out. That's it. That's, that's all the new growth we've gotten over. And so we've missed opportunities. Now, granted, we're starting to see development down there, but it's not the development that it could be. And part of that is the restrictions and the overlays that definitely lay in place. So, you know, figuring out how, how, how do we change that and change that mentality downtown. You know, one of the things, uh, we got 60,000 students here. We graduated 8,000 last month. And I would tell you, I think maybe 10% stayed here, maybe less. Wow. Part of that wow. is talking to those folks, you know, one, you know, they want to have more entertainment and I say entertainment is really, we're talking about restaurants mm -hmm. and things like that. They want more varieties. They mm -hmm. want to see more field. They love the way main street feels in other places, but five points is, is still, we're still 28 stores empty. So it's not there yet. You know, they're looking for housing. A lot of these st student housing, which became our largest tax producer has some incredible housing uh, amenities mm -hmm. and now they get out of school and they go rent an old house in Rosewood or Shandon they're like you know I can go to Charlotte in the South Wing I can go to Howell Mill Road I can go to Nashville I can be in the West End I can be in Sylvan Park I can be yeah. hell they could even be in the Gulch to be exact wherever they want yeah and He's have there. new construction that's uh, that they they can afford but they want to be downtown yeah Everybody yeah. wants to, I want to walk to work. I want to walk to where I got the, I want to live downtown. I want to be where the energy is. And to, you know, I heard the number the other day, Greenville's, Greenville's downtown has now got 9,000 uh, folks living. And we've got about four. So think about the opportunities that are Surprise out there. It's not a bigger gap than that, but yeah. It, yeah. It's just not a hotel and so not, but it's. Same it, size city with two and a half, almost 225% more people living downtown. That's huge. Greenville's only 65,000 people in the city limits. Yeah, in the city limits. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're 50% of us. But yeah. yeah, that's that's sad. You know, the question recently that I've gotten the most frequently is, do we really need more apartments? Can we really have more handle more apartments? I get it like twice a week from people. And I say, y'all, have you been to Greenville? Have you been to Charleston? Like, they are building... Ten times as many apartments as we as we houses, are. condos, apartments. We need all. I mean, yeah. just right now for for workforce and attainable first time mm. home buyers and everything. Yeah, I think we need sixty seven hundred units, and I'd Gosh. say over the next ten years for us to stay competitive and be the workforce opportunity that we can be, mm -hmm. we're going to need eighteen thousand units, and that's a cross section of units. I mean, you need some more senior housing. Think about it. What senior housing component is downtown? That, that seniors could go and literally have a place downtown where they can walk to the Coger Center, they can walk to yeah. the Long Street Theater, they can go to art shows and events downtown and participate in it. 
Yeah. There's not, you know, and then, then you look That's, at future growth. We start filling all these empty spaces and I don't care if it's on main street, if it's in five points, if it's on Garner's ferry, if it's in Wood Creek, still got to have a workforce. Yeah. You still got to yeah, have totally. folks that are, are, are at every level. And it's not like you can't get a job today. You know, somebody said, well, what, what new jobs are you bringing? I said, well, why don't we fill the ones we got open right now? Because <laughs> every business I talk to is is suffering. Yeah. I mean, the city has, I don't know, 500 and something positions open. I mean, it's everybody's looking. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunity for downtown living. Yeah. And how do we be creative? How do we hit every segment? You know, somebody's like, well, how about doing a mixed use where you have a mix of workforce housing and, and market rate where people don't know what the unit is. And Charlotte's done a great job of that downtown. Mm -hmm. You don't know who does what. Some units may be a little smaller or whatever, but they're divine. But mm -hmm. people are sharing and living downtown. And that's what we got to figure out. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's fun, you know, the student thing, which uh, uh, there's been a ton of student housing develop, developed, right? And um, for whatever reason, that was a big, some people were uh, very negative about that. But the reality is when they come out, they want the same thing. Like you were just touching on that. And, and we, we had that feeling a few years ago that like these students are going to be coming out and they want to live in the exact same thing. They don't want to move into a Shandon house. They want to live in the same type of apartment they were living in, which are really nice apartments, right? And so, but they're not going to be in, they're not going to stay in those student housing apartments. So if they don't have those options, the reality is they can go anywhere they want now, especially with remote work the way it is now. They can go anywhere they want. And so we want to provide places where they can go, uh, restaurants, retail, and apartments. So Amenities. We, we amenities. The parks, yeah. the Greenway connectivity. You know, we talk a lot about North Main and Marion Street's a great example. Yeah. Marion Street, for the majority, is a four-lane road. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why do we yeah. have a four-lane road? We're road diet. We need connectivity. And, and you see it. And a prime example is, is your project on Sumter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it thriving? Because it's connected. Everybody feels like it's it's a place they can totally. go, and they can go from Warmouth to end up, up to the to the warehouse. I mean, yeah. look, that's the feel you got to have. Yeah. And I think that's where people are driving. Well, I know there's, you know, look, you, you, you've done new construction, you've done rehab, you've done, mm -hmm. I think, a little bit of everything. You even were talking about industrial. But at this point, you know, there's always this internal battle, and especially in the development world, with historical preservation you know, adaptive reuse or tear down, or how do I be creative? Uh, you know, and there's, there's, there's the mindset of some folks that, you know, everything's got to be exactly the way it is. And, you know, then I look at other places where there's my village in Switzerland's a great example, you know, our, our family's house, 1732, I think. And wow. the house next, the, yeah. the building next to it is a glass apartment tower. And it's, <laughs> that's awesome you know 2006 or something yeah. so but it works yeah. Uh, yeah so the question here is you know really is when you look at the balance you know how do you balance how do you how do you make that happen in, in today's world because it really is i think one of the hardest things to do is to make something really cool out of a historical building which i think adds more life to it than just making it 100 percent historical that's like yeah to start with that the interesting thing is, and you're right, we've done new construction and we've done uh, historic uh, rehabs. We've been very fortunate to have 
received four or five um, awards from Historic Columbia on uh, some of our projects. Um, and we're very proud of that. Um, the reality is it is a lot more difficult to create experience and atmosphere and vibe in a new building than it is in a historic building. And everyone's searching for experience, right? Everyone's searching for authentic authenticity. Um, it is something, candidly, we've probably been lacking a little bit of in Columbia for a while is authenticity. And it's hard to create in a new building. Um, so it's not impossible. It just takes a little bit more focus on design. Uh, so um, so we're, we're thankful for uh, good design partners in town that we've had the opportunities to work with. Um, like Garvin Design is, is one that we work with uh, right now a good bit. Um, and we don't see ourselves as either a new building uh, developer or a historic rehab developer. We see ourselves as focused on Columbia. If there's an opportunity and we're able to put together the right team to take advantage of that opportunity or to bring uh, that product to the market, then we're interested. Um, and most of the projects in Columbia fall in a category that most institutional investors are not interested in. It's too, it's just too low for them. They're not willing to come. They may be willing to come to Columbia, but not for the projects that are kind of under $25 million. And a lot of the projects that we take, uh, take on are usually a little bit larger than the local typical local investor is interested in, uh, taking on. So, uh, we like both, we like to create, uh, we like the opportunities that both, uh, provide, uh, Rosewood as an example is a combination of new construction and, uh, and renovation. So we tore down, we had to tear down one of the buildings, um, that was 70 or so years old. But in its place, we built a new three-story building. So we actually did was two things. Was that the old we had, parsonage house? It was no, it was not a parsonage house. It was um, it was actually one of their oldest buildings. It was a classroom. My, some of my fraternity um, brothers rented their parsonage house. Oh, no, did they really? Yeah, yeah on Slim Street. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had already sold that before us, unfortunately. But uh, but we were able to do two things there. One, we made it a better project because we tore, because we could tear it down. Two, we built three stories. So we we added. It was a two-story building. We yeah, added we another, another floor. floor. Yeah, so we added some density. And then on the um, on the retail side of that project, um, we built a new building right next to, separate from uh, an existing building that was in good shape that we had the opportunity to, to repurpose. But then our apartment project on Main Street was 100% rehab, and it was and we used historic. Uh, we took advantage of historic tax credits there. We were able to um, uh, reface the. Uh, front facade. We pulled back what was uh, uh, overlaid in probably the 80s, uh, some stucco that was added, and uh, found the original facade. And so we were able to bring that back to life. So that's um, pretty cool. We love both of them. Yeah. So Frank, you know, if 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 you, if you could pick a something, a business, a experience, or something that Columbia doesn't have that you'd like to see in Columbia, what would it be? The first thing that comes to my mind is a good cocktail bar. We don't, we don't like just a cocktail bar. This might be the third time that we've heard that in podcasts. Is that kidding. right? Yeah. Is that right? Not kidding. We and we've tried. I mean, you know, if anybody can do, we should be the ones that can do it. Um, we tried on some um, some properties. We hadn't found speakeasy, right. something really cool yeah. that's yeah. off the beaten path. And, yeah. 
Kim was here from just a uh, bar CAE, and she was talking about you know you go in in New York and you go yeah. into the five the five guys and go into the back and mm-hmm. it's a bar mm-hmm. and stuff back there. Why don't we have something like that? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah. this would be I'd be fine with just one. <laughs> but, um, that's the one that comes to mind first. Yeah, we I, I think we could. Uh, I'd love to see us have something like um, Gather Greenville or. Um, uh, the one in Spartanburg, um, the freight yard in Spartanburg. Just, it's we like, don't have a true beer garden. Yeah, like a, yeah, a true like downtown um, in between buildings. Open air yeah. beer garden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both of those are great. Uh, have a great feel. Um, Charles uh, Charlotte has a lot of those. Gather uh, does some pretty neat events too, from my yeah, understanding. We, somebody was in here talking about this on one of the episodes we've done. We talked about it as well. Really? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Um, those would be the first two probably. Yeah, I, I'm still looking for, I'd love for Columbia to have like a, a signature event that encompassed the arts, music, and food, but something that not only is a downtown event, but each night there's something special that happens in each corridor of our community. So on Monday night, you'd be in this area and maybe it's a, a uh, indie film festival and yeah, yeah. in another area maybe it's uh, we do a concert you know with with a variety of different shows in it and another one maybe you know who knows a di- outdoor disco or something you know something just different and then maybe once an art show but in tying it all in where you have kids and to adults somehow involved not only in mm-hmm performing arts or visual arts or culinary arts, but also in just the whole festival so that it really makes people understand how much talent there is here, but also the beauty and the coolness of our city. Every every corner of our city's got some really cool mm-hmm. corridors and houses. And, you know, you, we all tend to get in our bubble and we ride it around in the same places. I ride around on the Definitely. weekends because I like to ride around and look yeah. and I look at different buildings. What could you do with that or neighborhoods? Isn't that a cool house? Or, you know, why do we have four empty lots in this neighborhood? You know, how do, how do we rebuild that? Um, I love that. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a easily connectable city, but very disconnected. It's yep. just, I, t- I talked to somebody a year or so ago who's very connected in the five points district you would think this person knows all of columbia right and she was like i probably need to go check out forest acres like what's happening over there i was like forest acres it's uh, i consider that part of downtown almost right it's a, it's a very i mean you obviously come we from should there annex day, but it like, but, uh, yeah <laughs> that's another podcast that's, <laughs> but I, but it, it it's I think it's representative of the way people in Columbia just are. I mean, the reality is people in Forest Acres probably don't go to Five Points that much or to Main Street as much. Um, well, we found out with the students that we brought in on the mayor's council, you know, trying to get the students more integrated. What can we do to open up? But even the university is the same way. You know, um, they have one of the the McKissick Museum's probably got one of the nicest art collections I've ever seen, and nobody knows about it. And you could go over there, it's free, you know, you can get in there, but in all the events that they have on campus, they don't share with everybody else. And there's an opportunity to bring people together, you know, but the same thing with other areas, uh, 
Yeah. You know, we just, we tend to not do it, but the students, that's one of the reasons why we lose them is we don't integrate them. We don't, why aren't they floating down the river? You know, why aren't they having, you know, why don't we have an electronic checkboard that says, Hey, as a freshman, you gotta, you gotta do these 40 things in totally. Columbia. Totally. Hey, we should have one of those for uh, people over the age of 32. I mean, we've, we, me and my wife and I've talked about this recently. Like you go to another city and you research it before you go what should I do? And you ask people who live there and you do all the things, but you never do them in your hometown. It's, you know, or we don't in Columbia at least. No, right? but nobody and does. And then you realize that when people come here and they tell you what a great community you are, you realize what are we not doing? We yeah. don't tell our story. Yeah. That's very true. And, um, there was a lady who showed me, uh, it was, I think a 1980s. I don't think we know our game. story to be honest. Well, I mean, some I, th- of I think we do. I just think that nobody's taking charge yeah. of the story. So when you come and you're looking at if it's if it's the university or economic development or or even we talked about it with the um, airport, there's seven different stories getting told out. Benedict's telling a different story than the University of South Carolina. South Carolina's telling a different story. You wouldn't even know Columbia existed with their story, you know, but it's just, but this is where we have an opportunity to change that narrative and get everybody out. So I think we're going to do that. So, you know, one of the other things that that I wanted to ask you is, you know, we're having a great opportunity to to, city council, the business community, everybody's coming together to, to formulate changes. What, what, what would be some of the things you'd like to see in Columbia that, if you if you could if you if you had a position or had a vote to say hey, you know I'd like to see these changes because I know what it'll do for our community. What do you what would they be? Municipal changes, huh? Like municipal changes, like governmental Anything. changes and things like that. Anything. Yeah. Oof. I don't like to get political much, but uh, but I I think that the I think there's a lot of um, reasons why um, um, consolidating city and county would seem to make a ton of sense. Um, uh, second to that, or next to that, things you're really already doing, Daniel, like this is not a, I'm not trying to pat you on the back here, but like just. He's all the way across the table, by the way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but I did yesterday actually speak to a group about the changes that are already being made and i don't even know how many like actual changes have been made as much as discussion about changes have been made and that is already making a tremendous difference we see it and feel it it is very real and the businesses see it and i said i said this to a group and someone said i'm just curious what like i don't think they were saying it in an adversarial asking an adversarial way i think they were curious what do you mean what are you seeing and how are these changes already uh, affecting what you do? I said, it's amazing what just telling businesses that they're, you're interested in them and just telling whether it's existing businesses or new businesses that we want your business and existing business, we want you to grow and we want to help you. We've, we're seeing a tremendous change in the mindset of new tenants, new retailers, new uh, restaurants, all of these new businesses coming to town, they see the changes in in the government. You know, they see the changes in the leadership is a better way to say it. Sorry. Um, it's making a difference. And it, it means something to them. 
Um, I was at a um, conference two weeks ago, and it was like a, a, a group of not a ton of people, but three, 400 people. Um, it was a capital conference. So it was a lot of finance discussions, et cetera. But um, some of the smartest people that I've, I've been around, and uh, I wrote these these things down. One of the speakers was the head of development for Heinz. Heinz is a, I know who that is. a huge international developer, right? Yeah. She was the head of development for China, for the entire market for China. And the speaker said, what, what makes a great city? And she starts to speak, and I'm just, I'm just writing down, just curious what she says. There's a guy next to me from Columbia. He looked at me. He was like, we have all those things. She said, this is where she starts. She said, uh, it's unique. She said, there's a range of education. She said, there's access to outdoors and things built around that. Or we have that. That's an area of opportunity. I would say we have the access to the outdoors. We don't have pretty much anything built around it. She says that there's a diversified quality of life for the middle class. There are opportunities for the low, lower to upper class. Weather, low cost of entry, low level of risk. She said, so my, that was when my friend looked at me and goes, we have all those things. We do have all those things. We have that. Those are the items that build or that you're able to build a great city upon. And we have all those. And then one of the last things she said was, and then look at the leadership in, in the market and what they're focusing on. It's interesting. Isn't that interesting? I just said, that's why, like, that's a lot of why we've, we've been hopeful for the last, you know, seven or so years and our focus here that, um, because we knew a lot of that was the here, but the leadership focus is, um, is major. It is majorly important. Um, and that's to me, what is going to be the most impactful. If leadership can stop chatting about this project, that project, and really just say like, how do we let capital flow easier? And it's not to make more money. It's to bring more capital here, more investment here, which brings more retail and brings more apartments. Apartments bring, brings more restaurants. All of that brings more offices because guess what? People have the opportunity now. People can work wherever they want now, which means they get to live wherever they want if they want to live. And they want to live somewhere that has experiences. Um, so we got to work to create some of that. So did you get Heinz's card, and they're going to give you some money to She's, keep, yeah, keep, they're keep gonna, developing? <laughs> they're going to buy all five in. points, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're interested right now, but give us a few years. I, I, you know, it's going to be interesting because every time we bring institutional lenders here to look around and, and, and show Columbia, they're like, y'all have all, all the pieces. The pieces are here. You got to make it easy, and you know, obviously, taxes play into it. You know, oh, I was meeting with a hotelier the other day who's looking at a project, and his bill's going to be like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars estimated in taxes, and he's like, I, I, "I can't make that work." He goes, "I'm paying this. I'm paying three hundred in Greenville." Yeah, yeah, that's the interesting thing is when you talk to these people, they know immediately. I can't make those numbers work. It's not like uh, I'm paying three hundred in Greenville. And I'm going to pay 400 in Columbia, or I'm going to pay 350 in Columbia. It's just yeah, it's a big it, number, it's, and it's so then you got to figure out how do we get them in. So, as yeah. we talk about tax modernization, streamlining the process, 
looking to lift overlays and do all the things because one of the things is you know you you listen to a big investment like that but the reality is 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 the tax situation is affecting our small businesses probably harder than anybody else because they're never going to mm. get tax break because they're never going to have the investment to qualify for a philo or an ssrc or anything like that but then you've got you know i still got to pay rent i don't at my end of the year reconciliation i don't want it to be that my square footage went from 22 to 46 and it be taxes tags and insurance as i like to say <laughs> you yeah. know and then and then it comes back now they want to have that investment and they want to grow but what we could do and we can see that we're starting to see more growth more entrepreneurial spirit mm -hmm. here uh, people realizing what columbia has and we're not there yet but you know building up but it does make a big difference yeah. i think because Definitely. we're a community that's based on a lot of small businesses and i think long term is it also i'll tell you that if i'm a major manufacturer i'm looking at the midlands for the future Definitely. It doesn't matter if it's in Kershaw, and I've, I've expressed this to all my, my friends, uh, fellow regional mayors, uh, county council folks, look, I mean, Lexington, Calhoun, whoever it is, lands a major employer. We're going to benefit. Those folks are going to be coming into town and eating, spending money. That means totally. we're going to have. So we need to work regionally together. And that traditionally hasn't happened. And, and we're working on this rail realignment where we got parties, political parties from both sides. We got state, local, and federal all coming together to help us achieve, which will be a generational, transformational, economic, equity, safety change in our downtown. You know, th that's the kind of stuff that that, that we got to do, and um, and I get excited every day. I, I come, I go to work every morning, and I walk into City Hall, and I mean, I'm meeting somebody who wants to do something to improve our community. A business is calling, hey, we want to sit down. We're everything from housing to whatever. It's just it, it's exciting because it's the first time since I've been here for 35 years that there's this the, in renewed wave. Um, and a lot of it's timing too. And I think we're trying to be smart. The federal money that's coming down can make us have an opportunity or allow us to have an opportunity to really do things that we never could have, we probably may never be able to do in the future, but mm -hmm. the next four years, I think it will, will literally probably four to five years between funding and the and leveraging those projects monumental change will define us for the next 20 and 30 years and and if we don't set ourselves up for success we probably won't be the third largest city we'll probably be the last you know out of the big ones i want to be number one yeah but, you know yeah florence will jump, jump us probably yeah it's you know i think there's this going back to your comments about taxes there's this I feel like there's a massive misconception about taxes that all it, all reducing taxes does is, is pad the pockets of small business owners or something like that. But the reality is anyone who's ever owned a small business knows that when you get, when you make more money and or uh, have a reduction in taxes or fees or something like that, the vast majority of the extra money you make goes into a reinvestment because you want to, small business owners want to build something. That's why they got into owning a business, right? So they want to build and so they're going to reinvest. I mean, does it, does it, uh, accumulate to their uh, benefits as well? Sure. But most of them are going to reinvest, which means hiring more people. It means investing in infrastructure or equipment or whatever, or and, in the arts or in the arts. Exactly. Or, you know, or, or giving money back giving to the community. Back money to the it community. happens all the time. Yeah. But um, you know, everybody, when we talk about taxes, people think it's all business driven. 
what they forget, the way the tax structure is, it, it's also about the folks who don't own a home. It's our renters. Absolutely. And it's non-owner-occupied, so you can't talk Absolutely. about affordability, attainability, things yeah. like that without talking about the tax base. No way. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because if you look at the different kinds of development that we have already talked about that we do, office, retail, industrial, multifamily, multifamily is one of the, the few that you can't, you don't get to pass through the taxes to anybody, but guess what? They're paying them because they're... Investment requires a return. Risk requires a return, right? So people are coming to, to town to build a new apartment project. They're going to have to get a, the same return they can get in another city. But well, we want them to have a good and return, we want to, yeah. a fair return. Yeah. But then also it solves a problem we have. They're making a great investment. They're going to make a reinvestment, and they're, right. they're going to get yeah. involved in the community because they're proud of their investment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I mean, we've, we've dealt with, with development teams on both sides. Yeah, and um, has seen, to be honest, some pretty bad projects where it was all about money, and then I've seen other projects that it, it's all been about the community. But those usually people who were in it for the long haul, um, you know, the folks are looking at the, uh, to hold on to things. They're thinking twenty five and fifty years out, not thinking five year flip. Um, but we got to have a little bit of both. I mean, to, to get innovative, to bring density, you know, we need to have a lot of diversity in our businesses. You know, we can't be heavy on one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we need to have things that are, are exciting for people. Um, no doubt. So where's the new hot spot in Columbia? What's your prediction? Where is it going to be? Well, Rosewood, of course. Uh, but uh, I, I think, honestly... I am really excited about Five Points right now. I think, I think Five Points is on the cusp of, um, of of skyrocketing. There's, we have a few projects down there that you're aware of, and the amount of activity that we've had on those projects in the last sixty days is crazy. And we've we've had those uh, buildings for a lot longer than sixty days. Um, so we're really bullish on five points. I think it's uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff that's happened there politically. Um, you know, was it the way that I would have written it up? Probably not. The way that I would have handled it, maybe not. But I think it's providing really good opportunities for small businesses, unique businesses. One of the things I uh, said to this a group yesterday was, it you can never recreate. Of five points, like experiential feel of five points, will never be created again. Um, you can't build something. You can't go out in the suburbs and try to build another five points, right? So, um, and the one thing people talk a lot about the changes in retail, and you know, five ten years ago, especially with retail's dying, retail's definitely not dying. It's just changing, and it has changed a lot. And where it's moved to is experiential retail. So, because we can get. Most of the stuff we need, we can get from Amazon, but we still want to go out and spend our money and we still want to have experiences. And so um, people want experiential re retail and they want authenticity. And Five Points has an incredible blend of both of those um, and an opportunity to do that. So I think it's got a long runway. I think we have an opportunity and if it's North Main, Five Points, yeah. Gervais Street, you name it. Um, you know, really showcasing our city and truly recruiting. Mm -hmm. I think recruiting restaurant and small retail is going to be beneficial um, because I think the more um, 
businesses that we bring that that have just like you said that experience people love to have a great atmosphere mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and we need more choices i know some people are like why do you want to promote more restaurants just promote mine but the reality is is more choices bring more people Absolutely. and um and we see that and there's a reason why people cluster together mm-hmm. that's just like you said you know having the ability to to walk around and go from a restaurant and then walk by a retail and say oh that's cool you know yep i, I remember when this was here you know we were talking about five points in the 90s and you know, very few bars there almost everything was restaurants that converted into bars at night and that seems to be a trend across the southeast that i've seen it's coming back that you know at 10 o'clock it kind of shifts in it's another way but what's great about it is you've got active parts all day long so you got a mm-hmm. lunch and dinner and a happy hour crowd then you got a late night crowd so suddenly everything turns into 18 hour day when yeah. it turns into an 18 hour day you've got a ex- successful neighborhood that's right. As a, we, we preach that a lot on, um, on all of our projects, to be honest, that we, we try to curate the tenants that we have for that very reason. If you, if you look at what we did in um, Cottontown, we passed on some tenants that we just didn't feel like were right at the, at the right time. The Warmouth was the first one. We quickly realized we got to have some morning traffic here. There's nothing going on other than lunch and dinner at the Warmouth. So Enda Coffee was just a perfect match. At the same time, we were able to bring Circa Barbershop right next to it, which Circa Barbershop provides all day. I mean, eight to five, right? Yeah. The constant, frequent traffic uh, with them. And then um, a CrossFit gym. Well, that, that provided a little more morning traffic, a little more afternoon traffic. Um, We've constantly got to be focused on parking and the pluses and minuses of uh, of the biz- each and every business. We've we've now done the same thing over on Rosewood, where we only have four tenants. Um, it is a tight site. We had to be very thoughtful about who we put in there. So we've got a morning user, Starbucks. We have a um, a nighttime user that'll be open for lunch probably too. But uh, it's like an upscale Mexican restaurant yeah. we're working with. We got a wine shop, um, and with a little bit of a bar uh, or tasting bar as well. Uh, and then we have a dental user that we're talking with. So like, Interesting. it's a kind of a, a wide range, but we had to bring that diversity of, uh, of tenant and mixes in, in there. And the, that's a microcosm, but the city of Columbia needs the same thing. Yeah, we've got to have some diversification. So uh, I ask all my guests, what's, what's your favorite meal in Columbia? Favorite meal in Columbia? Oh, that's, that's tough. Yeah, I'm a, partner in a few, a few different restaurants. I don't, I don't, hey, just because you own it doesn't mean that the, it's your favorite like it. meal. <laughs> favorite meal in Columbia. Gosh. Favorite restaurant, man. Make it I easy. Can, I can go. No, I like, the, I like the meal. That's better. I'm not a big favorites guy. That's a, part, that's a tough one for me because I like I'm, I'm a wide-ranging uh, yeah, eater. Um, but if I had to choose something... I have to say the Warmouth probably has the, for me, the best range of food. I know, I know that that's going to come across as self-serving, but, um, self-serving. They, Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the food that, that chef Red Elliott is, is, has built down there and is continuing to evolve is really, um, really good and really underappreciated. A lot of that's just cause it's a very laid back atmosphere. So most people don't realize, uh, the quality and the level of food that he's he's putting out but um what's your favorite dive restaurant then favorite favorite dive dive restaurant dive restaurant 
Give me, give me some examples of what, you're, what a dive restaurant Max would be for groceries. you. Max Groceries. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Max is a good one. Um, gosh. I mean, they're a two-time winner, hot dog and burger. I, do, I noticed that recently. But but I have recently. to tell you, uh, you know, I think Jack Brown has one of the best burgers. I haven't been yet. I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been yet. Man, I tell I've you heard what, it's amazing. I, I will tell you that is a good burger. It's very simple. They don't add lettuce, tomato, this and that, but the, the flavor just of the burger. meat just comes through in that bun and everything. It really, I was very impressed with that burger. Everyone I've talked to has been, has said that. Um, keep it simple. I might, I, my first thought was Kingsman because of their, because of their burger. They may not like that I call them a, a dive, but, uh, oh, it is. but I think, okay, yeah. Uh, term of endearment. Friday nights yeah. for ribeye night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went out yeah. And get a good yeah. big base, and then, you know, it was cheap. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Max is tough to beat, too. There's so many little cool, we were we were doing a little thing the other day talking about all these places to get food, and somebody's like, do you ever talk about anything other than food? I'm like, well, I like food. I'm, saying, yeah, yeah. I'm always, you know, picking, you know, restaurants and meals and yeah. places I'll go to get you know, certain things. I laugh. I had to have a little uh, procedure not too long ago, and one of my daughters was home, and, and she's like, "Hey, I want to go get you. What do you want?" I said, "I want a milkshake from Cookout." Cookout. That's a good milkshake. I want a Chick Fil A sandwich, and I want fries from McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Did she get it? She got all three. No, she didn't. All three. Wow. You know, because Cookout's one of the only places that has a chocolate malt shake. And when I was Is a kid, right? getting a, a malt shake was like this special thing. And so for now, if I ha which I rarely have it, but when I did, I was like, that's what I want. I, like I ended that. up I eating the shake that. and the fries and saved the sandwich for later. <laughs> <laughs> Chick-fil-A sandwich never goes bad, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. All right, but I just realized I chose a West Columbia um, restaurant. I can't do that, right? Was that? No, I like Ten Miles. Okay, all right. <laughs> He's one of my favorite mayors. Of course, that's okay if you pick one. Of, actually, that's in Casey, so that's Elise Casey. Barnes. That's right. That's Elise. Yeah. It's not even in West Columbia. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Casey. Um, oh, that's out of the river. Excited about what you're doing. Thank you, Frank, for Thank your you. family's investment. You know, Thank these you. projects, you know, talking about apartments on Main Street, the Rosewood project, obviously, you know, being a pioneer on North Main, which I think is a smart move. And I think there's a lot of opportunities still out there. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when I ride around town, I see a lot of opportunities. And I think the diversity of the portfolio y'all are building and how your investment, what I hope people can see is what you're doing will attract other investment because un unfortunately we as a community can't survive on our own no investment we need folks from outside investing and you know that brings some some create creativity as well with it it brings some different vibes which then attracts a different crowd but if we can work with the right development teams we can enhance what everybody has here but also attract people that that won't come here because a lot of recruitment today i've seen from talking to economic development folks is, is about recruiting development teams, not necessarily the business. They bring the business with them because they have the relationships and, and almost all of it's relationship driven now. Yeah. Businesses don't mm -hmm. want to go through all the pre-development and all the negotiations. They just want to move in. Yeah. And if we can make it simple, easy, and give somebody a great product, because we've got the quality of life, so their employees are going to be happy. 
when they get here. It's just, you know, totally. get, getting yeah. them to the finish line. Well, we, we applaud any other investment. It's not competition. We love it when other developers come in. Um, I, I'll be the first to say I think I'll put our team up against any of them, too, and think that we can do uh, just as good, if not better, as, those, as someone from out of town. But we also love it when people come into town. So I think having um, outside investment good, is healthy. You have to have it, yeah. If, if we don't have outside investment, that means it's not a healthy environment, which means we, at Case and Development Group, should not be investing here either, to be quite honest. So, and, and, um, there, and there's some, you know, there's some folks who probably think you're crazy for what you've done. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> We've uh, heard plenty of that, yeah. Because when you started yeah. a lot of these projects, you yeah. know, we were seeing a big economic boom around Columbia, but yeah. not in Columbia. Yeah, so, that's right. you know, uh, when you look at yeah, it now, very, very we're, we're not there yet, but, yeah. but at least we're having conversations. People are more interested. People are coming. And, you know, mm -hmm. we have to take advantage of the pandemic because it created this restructuring and it's coming south and people are moving south. Businesses are moving south. Population's moving south. And it's coming from everywhere. Yeah. I mean, the Midwest, the Pacific. I was talking to one of the mayors at the U.S. Conference of Mayors. And he's like, yeah, we're running billboards in Oregon and Washington and everywhere, attracting people to Florida. Interesting. Yeah, That's tell a them, good hey, idea. We got quality of life here. You know, 11 months out of the year, you can sit outside. You can play golf. You know, every day's sunny. You know, I, I feel like there's, that's one piece that I've felt like since I've been in the business of commercial real estate in Columbia, that we have not had the attitude of we need and want your business and or want you to move here. Florida is, I mean, the fact that Florida is focused, still focusing on trying to bring people here, Florida's had more people move there over the last 20 years than they're any other stopping. place in the country probably, right? But they're not stopping because they want people to come. And I, I love the fact that y'all are, that you're saying we're open for business because it means it shows people like, we do want you to come here. Um, and we need that attitude shift. You know, and it's interesting because some people have said, well, you know, I don't feel like you're doing enough for the neighborhoods. I said, well, when we start building the infrastructure back and fixing all the things in your neighborhoods, but without business growth and future growth, we don't have a neighborhood. Yeah. We didn't lose 9% of our population because we're growing. Yeah. Right. You know, right. uh, so, you know, it's They'll interesting see it. to see the balance, but people have to see it from a, They'll see it. From yeah. a different, different angle. Well, thanks Thank everybody you. for tuning in. Uh, thanks Frank Kaysen for being Thank here, you. giving us a little insight to the Kaysen Development Group. If you haven't checked out, please go to their website, check out, see all the projects they're doing. If you want a beautiful townhome over on Forest Drive, he has five available right now uh, <laughs> for sale. Uh, you can go by and see the construction. He might even let you pick out a countertop or two. Um, <laughs> Um, but go by and see Frank. Thanks. Thank you.